Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to The Kickoff, brought to you by TickPick. I'm your host, Dan Harris. With me is my producer and Sonic the Hedgehog impersonator, Brendan Tuma. This is the Thursday morning edition of The Kickoff, which means it is time to talk about the top five things I'm going to be watching on Thursday night football. But before we get into it, let me remind you that we are giving away a signed Stefan Diggs helmet. All you need to do to be entered is leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts or CastBox, and then go to fantasypros.com slash kickoff to be entered. And again, if you subscribe to our YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash fantasypros, that counts as three times the entries. There's really no reason not to do it. Also, we have a lot of amazing stuff over there, so go check it out. And also, before we get into it, let's talk quickly about TickPick and how it's where you need to be going anytime you want to buy tickets to any football game this season, next season, or into perpetuity. At TickPick, they do not charge service fees, okay? They just guarantee you the best prices on tickets to NFL games, 110% of the total purchase price. If you can find better prices for tickets on another site, they're going to give you 110% of the total purchase price. No service fees. That is big. That means if you are buying a ticket for $20, it's probably on another site going to cost you more like $35 because of the quote unquote service fees. That is not what TickPick does. All they do is save their users money. $55 million. In fact, that's ridiculous. And now they've teamed up with Zip. That allows you to buy now, pay later for all your tickets. Just choose Zip at checkout, split your ticket purchase into four installments. Just download the TickPick app, use the code PROS for $10 off your first order when you select ZIP at checkout. Again, that is code PROS, $10 off your first order when you download the TickPick app and select ZIP at checkout. All right, before we talk about some of my thoughts for Thursday night football, let's just run through some of the big news items from yesterday. Odell Beckham Jr. has already been ruled out for Sunday's game against the Texans. Now, he reportedly did not suffer a setback here, but Kevin Stefanski is reportedly just trying to be proactive and not put pressure on Beckham to come back too soon. So on the surface, this is concerning, right? I mean, there was a report earlier last week from Mary Kay Cabot. She's a really, really checked in beat writer for the Browns that Beckham would be all systems go for week one. Then as we got closer to the game day, it was more of like, well, it's a game time decision, but we're pretty optimistic he's going to play. Then he warms up on the field and he's ultimately inactive against the Chiefs. Now it's Wednesday for week two, and boom, he's already ruled out for the game. That sounds bad, right? And it's not great. I can't lie about that. I really thought Beckham was going to be ready for the season to begin. He is not. We don't even know when he's going to be ready, if it's going to be next week or beyond. But at the same time, who do the Browns play this weekend? The Texans. They are 12 and a half point favorites over at bettingpros.com. They're going to be in every survivor pool. Do you think they think they need Odell Beckham Jr.? to win this game. Of course they don't. So it's perfectly plausible that Stefanski, who's a great coach, the reigning coach of the year, understood that he wants to take some pressure off of Beckham, who at this point is probably struggling as much with the mental aspect of his recovery as he is the physical. So all in all, Beckham is not a desirable commodity for me in fantasy anyway. I mean, he was a wide receiver three when everything looked good. He's already down two games anyway, and he's my wide receiver for 43 for the rest of the season. He's not worth targeting as a buy-low candidate, but I still think there is a path for him to be a weekly flex play, so I'm not entirely cutting the cord with him just yet. Brandon Ayuk was a full participant in practice on Wednesday, and Kyle Shanahan said, quote, he has got to be a lot better than the guy behind him. I talked about Ayuk yesterday. I don't really know what this is necessarily, but what I do know is that you have to drop Ayuk down in your rest of season rankings. You cannot possibly start him this weekend, and I'm not dropping him or entirely moving on. I really think 
that there's going to be a long stretch of this season, maybe not this week, maybe not next week, but at some point where Ayuk is going to be an absolute every week starter for your fantasy team. So hold tight. I would still buy low if you could, as I said, but again, it's got to be low here. That's the operative word, not just buy, but buy low. Ian Rappaport believes that Jerry Judy is going to be out closer to six weeks in the four to six week timetable. So do I. A, you should always fade injuries, okay? That's just a good general way to think about things. If somebody gives you a four-week timetable, assume it's going to be six weeks. So when it's four to six weeks to start, you got to think realistically six weeks is your best case scenario. And if you get lucky, then you get lucky. But we saw that injury. It looked ugly. Everybody thought he fractured his ankle. So be prepared to be without Judy for sure for at least six weeks. I wouldn't be surprised if it lingers a little longer. Tyrell Williams did not practice on Wednesday with a concussion. Again, even if he plays, you're not going anywhere near somebody on the Detroit Lions if they are not named Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift, or TJ Hawkinson. Xavier Rhodes and Darius Leonard were both sidelined in practice. Their absence could be big for a Rams offense that really doesn't need any help. We saw Rhodes miss this last game, so obviously monitor that, but you are starting all your Rams anyway. This just makes them a little more enticing. Cowboys defensive lineman Demarcus Lawrence is out indefinitely after suffering a foot injury in Wednesday's practice. The Dallas game scripts are going to be insane right now. They are going to give up a lot of points. They are going to score a lot of points. Bye, 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 everyone associated with the offense. John Harbaugh says that the team has four backs in the mix, and he is going to, quote, play all those guys moving forward. Mm, I call nonsense. Okay, I, I get it. Like, sure, Le'Veon Bell may see some snaps. Uh, that, that's fine. But this is going to be Tyson Williams, and this is going to be Latavius Murray, and that's what it's going to be. Don't think anything differently. Like, will play all those guys could legit mean like five snaps a game for some of these other ones. So really don't worry about it. I'm buying Tyson Williams. I'm buying Latavius Murray. I'm ignoring the rest. The 49ers claim Trent Cannon off of waivers from the Ravens. I don't really care. We are talking about Trey Sermon. We are talking about Elijah Mitchell. And I'm not talking about anybody else until Jeff Wilson comes off the pup list later this year. And Evan Ingram is out for Thursday night football, as we all expected, with his calf injury. All right, let's talk about the top five things I'm going to be watching out for during Thursday night football. And the first is obviously Saquon Barkley and how he looks in his second game back. Now, a lot of people are disappointed in his week one performance. And of course, that is entirely understandable. 11 touches, 27 yards against the Broncos. That is not good. And during that game, you never really felt like Barkley looked like his old self, right? I mean, for the most part, because there were a couple of touches and one run in particular in the third quarter where Barkley looked pretty strong. He helped push the pile with those big legs turning. And he did play that entire quarter, the third quarter in that game before the Broncos pulled away. And put aside everything else, the Broncos run defense is solid this season, even if it wasn't that great last year. So sure, it was a disappointing performance. And I also expected more, to be clear. I mean, I think I ranked him 18th or 19th at running back last week. So clearly he underperformed, but the Giants had a Thursday game, right? I mean, it makes sense that they were careful last week. They'll probably be careful here again a bit, and there's already a report about that. But I'm not even that concerned with his numbers. I mean, from a fantasy standpoint, yeah, I am. But looking long term, what I'm really looking for here is I want to see more of that guy that I saw in the third quarter of week one. As for where he slots in this week, well, right now he is 19th for me, right ahead of Daryl Henderson and Miles Gaskin, right behind Miles Sanders 
and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So kind of a low-end RB2. I would bench him for better options, but I don't think you need to avoid him entirely. Second thing I'm going to be watching closely is Terry McLaurin and his targets. McLaurin saw four targets, catching all of them for 62 yards against the Chargers. Not great, but it doesn't kill you or anything like that. But the problem is, of course, that Ryan Fitzpatrick is now on IR, and we are dealing with Taylor Heineke. Now, Heineke is a fine quarterback. I expect McLaurin to be productive with him at the helm, but he is not going to lock onto McLaurin like Fitz would have. At least, I don't think he is. And now McLaurin gets to be matched up against James Bradbury and Adoree Jackson, who were both very good last week. And I know Jerry Judy was productive when he was in the game last week, but he played 77% of his snaps in the slot. So he wasn't exactly blanketed on the perimeter like McLaurin is going to be. So look, I've still got McLaurin right now at wide receiver 16. I am starting him this week, but I want to be watching closely and see just how much run he gets. Next thing I'm going to be looking out for is Sterling Shepard's usage. If you listen to the Waiver Wire podcast on the Fantasy Football podcast this week, you heard that Joe and Yates were a little more optimistic than I was on Shepard's rest of season outlook. Now, they made some good points. Shepard is almost always a lock for six targets in a game in his career. He's basically almost never been irrelevant as a fantasy asset so long as he's healthy. But I had my doubts because, you know, Saquon Barkley is going to get healthier and he's going to demand targets. Kenny Galladay is going to get healthier and he's going to demand targets. Evan Ingram is eventually going to get healthier and he is going to demand targets. Now, Ingram, as I said, is out for this game, but still, let me see, again, Shepard become a focal point of this offense, and let me see him do it against Kendall Fuller, who is a very solid slot cornerback where Shepard plays the majority of the time. For right now, Shepard slots in at wide receiver 38 this week. That is a startable flex option, but if he puts up another big game here, then I'm going to more strongly consider him as a viable every week play going forward. Fourth up is just how healthy Antonio Gibson looks. Now, We are starting Gibson without question. He's my RB8 in a game against a Giants team that just made Melvin Gordon look like a superstar. And Gibson got 20 carries last week. That is fantastic. But he also left with the shoulder injury for a little bit, and he was limited in practice with that shoulder to start the week. Now, he has since been upgraded to full. He's off the injury report all as well. But we all know, right, about Gibson's college career. 77 touches on offense, 33 carries total. He dealt with a toe injury last year. He already has the shoulder thing after a really, really big workload in week one. He's going to get a lot of run in this game. And after a short turnaround, I really want to see if he can handle it. Because if not, if he gets banged up again in this game, then I think I'm going to need to drop him in my rest of season rankings based purely on health concerns. Finally, I'm looking to see whether Kenny Galladay is going to be able to become the alpha in this offense. Now, he had a fairly impressive week one performance despite missing most of camp. Caught four of his six targets for 64 yards, looked healthy. Now, it's not a great matchup against the strong Washington defense, but what, again, I really want to see is whether he is going to be the alpha in this offense, other than Saquon Barkley, in the passing game going forward. That's what he was with Detroit, right? That's what we thought he was going to be in New York before his injury. So with him looking healthier, I want to see whether Daniel Jones locks onto him or not. Now, personally, I'm going to be seeing that likely with Kenny Galladay on my bench, because he checks in as my wide receiver 44 here on the week. But still, it's a game where you want to see Galladay lead the team in targets if you're an investor. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. Thanks again to TickPick. Remember, download the app, use the code PROS, get $10 off your first order when you select Zip at checkout. Thanks for listening, everybody. Enjoy your Thursday night football. I will talk to you again tomorrow morning when we will discuss some of my favorite starts and some of my favorite sits for the weekend.